Welcome to Father-Son Entertainment Talk, a podcast where a father and his son come together to bring you their views on life and various forms of entertainment. It's time. Let's do this. Welcome back, listeners. Great to have you back here for Father-Son Entertainment Talk. My name is Ryan Campbell. My name is Matthew Campbell. Well, I think we mentioned last time at the end of our episode, Matthew, that we would be talking about my favorite comic and specifically the movie related to my favorite comic, which is X-Men. X-Men came out in the year 2000. This was the first X-Men that had come out and it starred Hugh Jackman and a couple of other uh, fairly famous actors slash actresses, Halle Berry being one of them. And we're here to talk to you about X-Men and give you our review. Yes, and I am very excited to be able to talk about a movie that you love so much, Dad, because I know we watched the Spider-Man trilogy, and I really enjoyed talking about that with you. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. And we really had a good time watching this movie. It was exciting, and there were some parts in it that certainly had Matthew jumping, which is always fun to see, as you know from our podcast episodes. I'm glad I can humor you so much. (laughs) So why don't we jump in? But actually, before we jump in and start reviewing X-Men the movie, maybe we should go through a little bit of background on X-Men in general, and maybe even share a little bit of the history of our interactions with X-Men. I think that's probably a good place to start. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay, well, I think I had mentioned back in a couple episodes before about how X-Men is my favorite comic, and it all started with the cartoons back in the 80s and 90s that really hooked me to X-Men. I just love the idea of all these different mutants with all these different types of powers. And that is the focus of X-Men is you have these individuals that are starting to evolve and become different to a typical human and that they actually evolve to generate or develop certain powers that they're able to use. And I just love that concept and that idea of normal human beings being in existence in addition to these mutant human beings that have all of these unique and different powers. Yeah, and I like the different dynamics between the X-Men because like you said, it's a bunch of different people, but they all share one thing. They all have different mutant powers and they're all different from the rest of humanity and the rest of the world. They just want to coexist with humans. Yeah, exactly. And I mentioned the cartoon when I was growing up and that being such a impactful comic for me. We also had some time back when you were really young, Bub, when we would read this book slash comic itself about Wolverine. And Wolverine happens to be my favorite X-Men. And so why don't you give a quick overview of that book and the different parts of the book between the comics and the actual main story? All right. Well, first of all, this book has a lot of nostalgia for me because I loved it when dad read it to me. I loved his voice for Wolverine. And I think that the one thing I didn't like about the uh, X-Men movie was that Wolverine didn't have the voice that my dad had for Wolverine in the book. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And I was like, dad, I was like, dad, what's happening right now? Where's Wolverine's voice? (laughs) I remember when the first scene that Wolverine came on in this movie and Matthew said, oh, I didn't expect that voice. It was very interesting to hear the contrast between Dad's voice for Wolverine and the actor's voice for Wolverine. (laughs) So this book, so it starts off where there's this kid named Eric who is at the Xavier School for Gifted Students, which is like a place where mutants go to study. And he basically talks about his power, which is 
as he describes it, the worst mutant power of all time, and honestly, as the book progresses, I'm inclined to believe him. It's basically where he's invisible, but can no longer become visible. Like, Yeah, sense. it's weird. It's almost like he's not just invisible. Wasn't it kind of like he's not even existent? He's barely existent in the room? Yeah, like he describes it as he could come in playing the accordion, juggling change juggling chainsaws and some people might get the idea that there's something a little off in the room but they won't really notice that's him so basically that's his power and it's him talking about his time at school him consistently getting in trouble because he's sneaking around as as some people put it and he was basically invisible for the entire time right he was he there wasn't like times where he would be come back and be visible again right yeah the only person that could consistently know that he was there and barely even at that, was Professor X. But that's no surprise at all, because he is the most powerful telepath in the world, according to the X-Men. The whole book is just about his experiences with Wolverine, and his time at the school, and and then the book kind of ends with Wolverine's worst day ever, and then the book transitions to comic books with Wolverine and the Power Pack. Anybody who does not know who the Power Pack is, they are four siblings that got their powers during an alien encounter, and it's just three comics of them interacting with Wolverine. Yeah, I will say that book definitely brings back a lot of nostalgia for me as well, just because it wasn't one time that Matthew and I read through that book and read all the comics. I would probably say I read each of those comics 15 times to you at bedtime. (laughs) And then we read the book, like the whole part about Eric and Wolverine, which was, I don't know, maybe a good 50, 60 pages. We read that maybe five to ten times as well throughout uh, your childhood. So a lot of fun story time uh, with Matthew going right before going to bed. And a lot of fun with Dad imitating Wolverine. I still am very disappointed that Wolverine did not have the voice that Dad had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and what's crazy is, you know, I call you Bub sometimes, and I actually took that from Wolverine's mannerisms and how he talks to people because he does say... Get over here, bub. So I definitely enjoy his voice and, and using his voice when, when it was story time. All right, should we get right into the movie now? Yep. So as I mentioned, X-Men, I think most people now have a fairly good feel of what X-Men is all about. Uh, this movie, as I, I said, also starred Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman plays Wolverine, bub, for pretty much every single movie from here on out. And he does a really good job of portraying Wolverine, the way his hair is is structured, and just his overall mannerisms. I think he does a really good job. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. I thought it was fairly accurate. My biggest disappointment with X-Men was how they portrayed Rogue. And I think I talked to you about this while we were watching. Yeah. Rogue was my favorite superhero growing up just because, number one, she could essentially suck the life out of people by just touching them which I know is pretty dark. but And very sad for her because she can't touch anybody anymore. That's true. That's true. But in the cartoon, and I don't know if this was the case in the comics, but in the cartoon, she also could fly and had super strength. So she could pick up cars and throw them and then also fly around. So just having all three of those powers was really super cool to me. That was not the case for the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. she almost seemed... I don't want to say wimpy, but there are a few other words that, to describe her. I mean, she, it's I don't blame her. She is 14, 13. Yeah. And she's, she's running for her life, shunned by humanity because she's killing people when she touches them. Totally on accident, but she just can't help herself. 
Yeah, and we did see some uniqueness to her power and specifically that she's able to draw the mutant power of the person that she's touching when she touches a mutant. So Mm -hmm. at some point she gets hurt, she touches Wolverine, Wolverine is essentially transfers his healing power over to her and she's able to heal herself through that. So there was some pretty cool uniqueness to her power that they incorporated. I just, it was a disappointment that they didn't have her flying around and picking up cars, which I always loved from the the comics. I feel like that would have, in a sense, made her almost too powerful for the movie. True. Because if she could fly, pick up cars, suck people's life force, she had turned evil and joined the main antagonist Magneto's side, then she would have been a very powerful ally and potentially could have destroyed all the X-Men that fought against them. Yep, and we do see Magneto attempting to leverage her in this movie towards the end. And what you'll find, Bub, with the rest of the movies in the trilogy, it's consistent where Magneto is trying to leverage these very powerful X-Men, specifically in the third movie of the trilogy. I love Magneto's character too. He's probably second or third favorite just because he's so powerful and I love the idea of being able to use metal and bend metal and yeah he was very crafty very clever yeah and he obviously has a huge advantage over wolverine so one of the things that we didn't mention for those of you that don't know wolverine wolverine has special healing power but in addition to that he has claws that come out of his hand and he was injected with this unstoppable metal called adamantium all throughout his bones and so his bones are essentially made out of metal do not break and that's why he has metal claws That's not a good thing when you come up against Magneto. I said it's like the Metal Man versus the Metal Master. So who's going to win? Obviously the Metal Master. But I think that you told me this, Dad. Wolverine, before he got the adamantium injected into his bones, it was actually he was able to like make his like his hand bones um, jut out. And then he got the adamantium and that turned him into claws. They portray Wolverine in that way in an upcoming movie, which we'll watch as well. But instead of claws, metal claws coming out of his hand, they showed what was exactly coming out of his hands, and it was these sharp bones that jutted out through his his knuckles. Yeah, and then after they got injected with adamantium, they became even more deadly and more terrifying. Exactly. So let me ask, Bob, what was your favorite part of this movie? That's tough. There were a couple really decent parts. I was not expecting to say this, but there was one scene that I could not stop laughing about, and it was a scene where... The X-Men, they're trying to um, save humanity from Magneto, so they're like sneaking into, I think it was the Statue of Liberty, right? Because that's yeah. where Magneto was hiding. And Wolverine, I think because he's made of metal, he triggered, he triggered like a metal detector, <laughs> and he like smashed them with his claws. And then three of the people that were on his team like look behind them, and he like lifts up one of his hands with, with the claws still jutting out and retracts the two ones on the sides and just leaves the one remaining one up. And I'll let you guys kind of figure out why i thought that was really funny real quick just to elaborate on that scene because they were walking in trying to sneak in because magneto and his crew was there and obviously the metal detector went off so clearly they weren't sneaking in anymore the cyclops storm and the other x-men that were standing in front of him were just giving him this glare like oh my gosh did you really just set off the metal detector and that's why he did what he did with his claws where the two outside ones went down and the one in the middle was still sticking up (laughs) i thought that was just very clever i thought that that was really funny one other scene that i thought was really good was actually where wolverine cut the machine that magneto was using 
uh, in half, like, well, not really in half, but he, like, broke the, ma the machine Magneto was using, and it really, the graphics were pretty good, so it made a really nice explosion, and I thought that was pretty cool. I want to bring up Sabretooth, because Sabretooth was in our book that we read, mm -hmm. and was Sabretooth identified in the book as Wolverine's brother? No, he was not. Okay. And in the movie, this movie, mm -hmm. he was not identified as Wolverine's brother. Oh, no, wait, in the book? In the book, I was asking, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, okay. So in the book, he was identified as Wolverine's brother. In this movie, Sabretooth was in it, but it was not identified that Sabretooth was Wolverine's brother. Now, Wolverine had lost his memory, so maybe they intended to make it seem as though Sabretooth was his brother. But as you'll see in a future Wolverine movie, a, a movie focused and dedicated solely to Wolverine, they do introduce Sabretooth in a little bit of a different way, and I like the that Sabretooth a little better. They do introduce, though, him as Wolverine's brother. Yeah, and I like the Sabretooth from the book that we read. I like how you kind of drew out his psychotic character <laughs> and um, how just insane he was. And this one was, he felt more like a wild animal in the movie, even less like a man. He felt like a, a lion that somebody had trained to walk on their hind legs. Yeah, and I can remember the cartoons. He was similar to this movie in that he was much more animal-like in the cartoons as well. But in the upcoming X-Men that we'll watch, X-Men Origins, that talks about Wolverine and his starting point, and it brings in Sabretooth as his brother, Sabretooth is much more human-like mm. than he is animal-like. But still, looking forward to when we can watch that movie. Great. Uh, what did you think about the ending of, of this movie? I like the ending. I was a little bit confused in the beginning because at the ending, um, as anybody that watches the movie soon will see, is that it was Professor X and Magneto in a pure white room playing a game of chess. And at first I was like, I thought that Magneto like ran away or something because the X-Jet had taken off without capturing Magneto or turning him over to the authorities or anything. So... I thought that it was just like Professor X and Magneto playing a game of chess in, Ma in Professor X's mind or Magneto's mind. Turns out Magneto had been put in prison. But I did like the ending because I like the banter. I like the dynamic between Magneto and Professor X. Both really wise men. Both had a lot of knowledge and experience. And their relationship goes back a long way as yeah. they imply throughout the movie. Yeah, back when they were both 17. So, but I do like their dynamic. I like the finishing lines for Professor X and Magneto, where Magneto said, I'm going to break out of here eventually, and I'm going to um, start a war between humanity and uh, and mutants. And Professor X said, well, I'm going to be there as well, and I'm going to try to stop you, is basically what he said. So I did like the ending, and at the ending, after Professor X said, I'm going to be right there, and I'm going to stop you, it showed the chessboard, and Professor X had won the chess game, so I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, and then Magneto dropped the king to indicate that he had lost. Yeah. And there was a really cool scene with Magneto when he was a kid in the opening scene, which yeah. was really a good indication of how powerful Magneto was going throughout the rest of his life. Yeah, and I think it was actually fairly historically accurate, too, because it was during the time of the Nazi Holocaust and... And if you don't know a whole lot about the Nazi Holocaust, I would highly recommend researching about it because it was a horrifying time during the history of our world. But I feel like it is a very necessary thing to research so that we can remember the people that did lose their lives or lose, or lose their families, just like how the movie portrayed Magneto back when he was a boy losing his parents. 
So I thought that it was not only a very well-written, but well-made scene. I thought it was very accurate too. Definitely. Okay, well, any other thoughts before we wrap up here, this first movie of the X-Men trilogy? Well, first of all, I thought it was a very good movie. I really, really did enjoy watching it with you. I could tell you were also very much so enjoying it. And I absolutely cannot wait to watch the second one with you. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't watched this one in a while. So there was a lot of scenes that brought back some memories. And I'll be honest, this was not my favorite of the trilogy. Hmm. In fact, number two was not my favorite of the trilogy. Movie three is the one that I was... I was most enamored with after seeing it. And so really looking forward to as well, watching number two with you, Bob, and then most importantly, number three. Uh, But I also agree that this was a a really good movie, especially going back 21 years now. This was made in the year 2000. So they definitely did a good job with this one. Yeah, I agree. Great. Well, I think we'll wrap here for X-Men, the movie from 2000 and our review. Stay tuned for our next review of the second movie of the trilogy. Thanks so much for joining us and and listening today. My name is Ryan Campbell. And my name is Matthew Campbell. Thanks for listening.